You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Both of these pitchers, Justin Verlander and Bartolo Colon, have been on top of their games. Colon perfect through seven. Verlander has allowed just two base runners. Robinson Chirinos, the only hit in the game. Homered off Verlander in the third. 1-0. And that's hit in the air pretty deep to center. Marisnik on his horse going back. And that ball is off the base of the wall. Gallo scores. Guzman scores. Chirinos' second hit of the night is a two-run double. And the Rangers go up 3-1. This is another Astros podcast. 3-2. Swing and a miss. Marisnik down on strike, slams his bat down, and that is the ball game. The Rangers win 3-1 to one in 10 innings, win an extra innings for the second straight day as they take two out of three in the series from the Astros. You know, he's getting outs. I mean, he was he pitched us tough, and, and we know he lives on the edge, and, um, you know, he gets you wanting a perfect pitch, and, and then when you don't get it... Um, you know, it seemed like we weren't able to capitalize on anything that missed out over the plate. He's a strike thrower. Um, had a, had an exceptional game. I mean, it, it was he was hard to hard to get. He kept the ball on the ground. He he missed. Uh, he pitched us a little bit. Um, you know, pitch us in, pitch us away, pitch us up, pitch us down. I mean, he's he's reinvented himself as a as a guy who can attack different parts of the part of the strike zone. We saw every bit of it tonight. Describe how the innings With, with, the, with the perfect game? Yeah. Um, well, we're just going to try. We're trying to navigate, you know, the game. It's a one nothing game, so it's different if it would have been a different style game or, or, you know, how they were doing. We were we were locked in. I mean, if, if you know, Cologne was perfect, uh, Verlander was just short of perfect. And, and I think that playing that game and doing um, as much as you can to stay in the game, thinking one base runner is going to lead to two base runners. So there's was a lot of talk about what he was doing against us, what um, – you know what our what our game plan was as the game was going on, but um, that's about it. Verlander, looking at the line, I mean, what he pitched, he, he was close to perfect. He pretched pretty much out pitched him for the, you know, at the end of the line. But what, yeah, what was so effective for him? Everything. I mean, he he attacks and 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 really pitches with with a ton of conviction in what he's doing. You know, I think his uh, fastball location tonight was very good. He could he could move the ball around as well, and and he finished hitters and. Uh, double-digit strikeouts, right? And so that that um, attack mode that he comes with when he's when he's locked in and he's got the the high carry fastball to go along with the paint down and away or down and in. It's he's got a really good fastball. The guy's got to deal with. And then and then as they you know kind of the outing went on, mixed in a few breaking balls here and there, and um, was matching Cologne pitch by pitch. He had the one breaking ball that Torino's hit out. We didn't really control Torino's all night, but. Um, you know that that was a good performance by JV to um, when, with no margin for error, literally. Yeah, I mean the leadoff single Gallo timed up a 96 mile hour fastball, and then and then Guzman got one about six to eight inches inside the line, and then you're under duress. And and Rondon's been really good as the right-handed hitters come up. Um, again, a mistake to Chirinos. Chirinos had a really good game, and and we didn't. Um, we didn't put him away whenever we had, you know, any sort of opportunity to do that. Um, and then control in the game was important at that point. It's runner on second and no outs. Um, already given up a run, so I was happy that he finished the inning and finished strong. But, um, you know, he's second and third, no outs with 
um, a one pitch single and a, and a and a ball that faded down the left field line. That's that's a lot of duress in extra end game. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously the first base runner was you know kind of broke the ice a little bit, and and you you know you think the second time through the order, the bats are going to be a, you know a little bit better. I know Jose hit the hit the line drive to center and. Uh, Gurriel hit a ball hard. We, you know, George had the ball off of him. Um, you know, and, but we weren't we weren't squaring him up. We were hitting, pounding the ball into the ground quite a bit, and a few strikeouts. So, as the you know any base runner felt like a breath of life against him today because we we didn't have any. So, um, the 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 energy came back a little bit with the Correa walk, and then obviously the the Reddick double. We felt really good about it. Um, they took they caught a break that that it wasn't far enough to where Reddick could tag. When the when the um, the kid dropped the ball in center field after down the exchange, so um, you know one more big hit, and we we end up probably talking about you know how we came back from from uh, um, from the dead a little bit and, and made it a, a series win, but instead we walk out with our you know our uh, our frustrations that we didn't win the series. Mort working from the first base side of the rubber. Baseball is the only game you can see on the radio. Catch on the way. Round ball right side into the shift. To his left, Altuve has it in short right, throws to first, and the Astros are 2017 World Series champions. See all the magic all summer long. Game seven on the road at Dodger Stadium, and the Astros prevail. World Series champions. Right here. We love our fans. We love the city. On the Astros Radio Network. Bill Brown with John Peters. John is the author of a brand new book, When Life Grabs You by the Baseballs, Finding Happiness in Life's Change-Ups. And John, you were a star at Brenham High School back in the late 80s. Tell us about your career. We know about the fantastic record-winning streak you had as a pitcher. But overall, let's go back to age six when you really got fired up about baseball. Yeah, ever since I was six years old, all I wanted to do was play baseball, and that's pretty much all I did. And I can remember uh, dragging my parents out all the time, morning, noon, night, it didn't matter. Um, I always had a baseball in my hand. When you were 12 years old, not only did you pitch a perfect game for six innings, but you struck out everybody you faced. What was the feeling? Uh, Well, that was... That was an amazing feeling. I, I, you know, um, that night I can remember. Um, I just, I, I mean, I, I was just blowing it by, dominating. And you know, I was a bigger kid back then and a stronger kid, and and I could put the ball wherever I wanted. So that helped me out a lot. And but what I really remember about that night is I hit uh, three home runs, and um, one of them. I don't know how how far I hit it, but but I can still just remember. Wow, that was that was long. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, you were on the fast track to baseball greatness. You get into Brenham High School. You have good coaching. You put together a long winning streak, thirty three games in a row. You find out you're on the cusp of a national record. Tell us about that. So it's uh, that's my junior year. It had um, come out that the uh, most consecutive wins for a high school baseball player was 33 here I was uh going for number 34 and and uh the media the crowd we probably had 35 to 4,000 people in that stadium and uh I happened to win it so I thought I had the record everybody thought I had it I was going to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated and then a couple weeks later we were notified that the record was really 50 by a guy from South Carolina so I no longer had the record and then uh 
we were notified that Pete Rose bumped an umpire, and they were going to put Pete on the Sports Illustrated cover instead of me. So, in in a couple of weeks, I didn't have the record, and I didn't have the Sports <laughs> Illustrated cover. Well, what was your reaction when you were told, "Well, you didn't really break the record, but now you can break it if you get to 51"? <laughs> I thought there's no way because I needed 16 more wins at that time to to even tie the record, and I thought there's no way 16 more. Um, but lo and behold, you know, we got on a streak again, and, and, and we got there. And then uh, 24 hours before, you pitch number 51 in a row. What happens? Every night uh, before I pitched, we'd always go over to a friend's house and play pool just to kind of get away from everything. And um, after the pool game, I went over to my girlfriend's house, and we got in a fight. Um, and I left her house. I broke up with her. And I was just ready to die. And I remember driving in my car just uh, screaming to God, saying, God, why? Why? Take me away. Um, and I got home that night, and I took a, got a, I grabbed a bottle of asp- uh, Tylenol and a large bottle of water and took the whole bottle, and I thought, you know, that's it. I'm, I'm done. I just, I just wanted, you know, everything to be gone. Um, and so I lay down and thought, that's it. And I was thinking the headlines of the papers are going to read "Pitching Phenom Dead, Suspected Overdose." And at that time, I really, really didn't care what the paper really said. Um, and then I woke up, and there I was. I wasn't dead. And I, I even thought to myself, "John, John, you can't even kill yourself. <laughs> what a loser!" And how do you get up off the deck then and go out and pitch that game? You know that that whole day I was a mess. I can remember. Um, but it seemed like any time anything was going on in my life, as soon as I got on the baseball field, it, things were fine. That you know, baseball field was like my happy place, um, and I just kind of put everything out of my mind. And I remember the coach, uh, Coach Hathaway, coming up to me before the game, and he knew something was going on, and he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, "John, uh, go for go for it tonight. This is an opportunity of a lifetime." And I felt, I said, "Man." He, he supports me. He's got my back. And, you know, for the longest time, I I, uh, I just didn't feel good enough. I felt fat. I felt ugly. I, I just never felt like I fit in. And, you know, even as I say that now and I think about it, it's crazy because I, I had so much success, but at the same time, I was so empty. You had four surgeries. You went to A&M and then some other colleges. And uh, because of the surgeries, you were unable to continue as a pitcher. How did you deal with that? Um, when the uh, baseball playing days were over, I kind of lost my identity because it, it seemed like anywhere I'd go, I was known as the baseball guy. They would, you know, people would say, "Hey, that's John Peters. That's the pitcher." Um, but then after I couldn't play anymore, I, I was searching for that happiness. I was, I, I was like, "Okay, who, who really am I?" Um, and and instead of you know, seeking good things. I started seeking alcohol, uh, drugs, relationships, exercise, whatever would kind of fill the hole. And it would fill the hole for a period of time. But then here I was searching again for for something to cling on to. Mm-hmm. And now? The last eight years have been incredible. On uh, March 27, 2010, I uh, was sitting at home. I had a failed marriage had two kids that uh, I was kind of thinking, man, they're getting in the way of my kind of what I want to do, you know, just being so self-centered. And 
um, I wanted to die. And I heard a voice that said, hey, John, just tell somebody it's okay. And for the first time, I reached out and just let the monkey off my back. And I said, hey, I'm not perfect. And my boss came over and I told him, hey, I've got a drinking problem. I can't stop drinking. And uh, it's it seems like once I became vulnerable with people, that's when life started happening. And I started connecting with people. Um, and I realized people are out there to, to help. Um, and so it's been real rewarding. And what I've, what I've realized is for the longest time, I was trying to put temporary things in, in this hole. And when I filled it with God, it's just become very permanent and, and it's never gone away yet. What's the purpose of riding when life grabs you by the baseballs? Two reasons. Um, in, well, in late 2014, I had a tug at my heart to do more with my experiences and talents. And I see a lot, I, I, I've talked to a lot of people and see a lot of people like struggling with, uh, you know, uh, depression or self-esteem or whatever it is. And I wrote the book to glorify God, to share with what, share people, share with people what he's done in my life and then to help people. Um, and I, f- I really felt like God saying, hey, John, get out there and share your share your story and help people. And finally, I, you know, after sitting on the fence for a long time and saying, no, I'm scared of this. I don't think so, God. I don't, I don't think you got my back here. Um, I said, uh, yeah, let's do it. And it, it seems like once I took that step and I said, hey, I'm all in, the fear that I've lived with for, for a long time, it's like gone. It's crazy. I was kind of like I'm fearless. Fantastic book. Congratulations, John. Thank you very much, Bill. It's available on Amazon. What's your website, John? Johnpeters.org. So that's another place you can go to find out more about John Peters and the book, When Life Grabs You by the Baseballs. Thanks to John Peters.